even though I was working that and having, having my kids and, you know, wanting to be great at everything, there were definitely things that, that fell apart or that got ignored. And when I look back, I can say that the number one thing that got ignored was me. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose. But you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. Hey, hey, sisters. I wanted to share with you a stat that I found super shocking. 75% of the women I end up working with in my one-on-one format come to me not for strategy, not for hormone healing tips, but for accountability and mindset. The strategy is out there and it's actually a lot simpler than we all think, but it's how do we follow through on that strategy? How do we have the confidence to keep going and have consistency. So strategy, so mindset and support is such a significant part of our journey. And I know for me, limiting beliefs have certainly come into play. I hear limiting beliefs from my clients all the time, but for me, some of them were, I am just old and have to accept this, or I am never going to have a body that I wanted, or I'm not smart enough, or it's going to be too hard and I'm going to have to give up too many things. One of the most powerful practices I have learned and begun to work on is a practice called belief coding. And today I have an expert and transformational coach, Lisa Sherman, on to share with us a bit about this concept of belief coding and how to really start to work on these things that keep us stuck in our self-sabotage cycles. Lisa is a mom, an educator, a transformational coach. She uses her experience as an accredited belief coding facilitator, along with her natural gifts of empathy and intuition to help others go go out of the limiting beliefs that are holding them back. And she also has the most calming voice and calming presence of anyone I've ever met. So I'm so excited to introduce you guys to and have this conversation in front of you with Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. My gosh, thank you. Hi, I'm glad it's only audio because my cheeks are bright red now. (laughs) (laughs) Just hearing you speak and introduce me like that. Uh, We never, I think, realize how much we've accomplished and how much we do. So you've done some amazing things. I'm, I'm really grateful to have you here. You help a lot of women. So thank you so much. Why don't we start? Why don't you share a little bit about your story and how you even got into this belief coding before we talk about it? Sure. Okay. Um, Well, like you said, so I am a mom of two teenage boys. 
Mm-hmm. I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I've been a primary school teacher for 25 years. Wow. And wait, let's all just have a little round of appreciation for that. <laughs> That's amazing. Not just the 25 years, but the fact that you have helped kids and worked with kids for that long, like props to all the teachers out there. Yes, not not the easiest of jobs at times. No. And definitely for me, as I reflect back, I'd say one of the pieces that I'm working on is getting over the guilt and the guilt of having worked full-time for 25 years while I was raising my kids and possibly at times for sure, putting more energy and time and effort into raising other people's kids and, and not neglecting my kids, but certainly not having the energy and the patience and the creativity that I wish I had had coming home to them. So Mm -hmm. that was just an aside, but, but that's something that I'm working on, you know, through my belief coding is, is just, you know, releasing that, that guilt and what it stops me from doing now. Um, so yeah, so I, I did work full time and had both of my kids. Luckily, you know, we were able to have some help in the house um, during those times. My husband did travel quite a bit. So he was probably out of the house for at least a week, a month, which, you know, also gave me the perspective, never would I call myself a single parent because I can't even imagine what that would be like full time. Mm -hmm. But Having had those, you know, weekly or biweekly experiences of being the only parent home with two kids and being a full-time, you know, working mom, I can definitely relate to what that was like. Luckily for me, it was not full-time, you know. Yeah, part-time. part-time. Um, but I would say that uh something, you know, even though I was working that and having having my kids and you know wanting to be great at everything there were definitely things that that fell apart or that got ignored and when i look back i can say that the number one thing that got ignored was me mm. and my needs and my ability to set healthy boundaries for myself mm-hmm. and you know, my, just my, my ability to, to, to acknowledge what I was doing and acknowledge, you know, how, how, how much it can take out of a person to, to raise kids, dogs, (laughs) if you can hear them, (laughs) Um, and to, and to, you know, and to work and work in a job that can be pretty draining mm-hmm. and really require a lot of you. I'd say that's super relatable. I mean, that's got to be 80% of the women that I talk to, they understand. And even if you don't have kids, like we all have ma- wear a lot of hats yeah. and it's often the thing that gets neglected the most is often us. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. 
And I think um, for me in our situation in particular is that when things should have started to get a bit easier, um, when my oldest was finishing up middle school and heading into high school and, and, you know, things should have gotten a bit easier as far as the level of independence, they actually like took a turn for the worse for us. Um, you know, we, we knew that our older son definitely struggled with some mental health issues and, and some self-regulation issues, but it was at the start of high school for him that things really got out of hand and, and the behaviors became very dangerous and extreme. And we were just, you know, it got to a point where we didn't know from one day to the next what a phone call coming in would be telling us. So, so that's, that's where things got, um, really out of control for us. And, and we were definitely doing the best we could to advocate for our son and our family and navigate the, the health system, specifically the mental health system, navigate what supports are out there. We live in Canada, so I know it's not, not always the same, um, you know, across countries, but for us, it was definitely boundary after boundary and, you know, like limit after limit that we'd come up to and and think we'd find someone who could help us or an organization that sounded great. And then there was always a reason why, why it didn't work out for us. Um, Unfortunately, he, you know, things ramped up quite quickly and and um, he got involved in different things that got him into more serious situations and um that you know I say it's unfortunate but it was also somewhat fortunate because we were able to then get him into a treatment program um and though you know having your child's leave your home well before you're ready for him to or her to um is devastating but i have to say that there was also some relief there uh-huh. because for the first time in you know probably 2 years we just we knew he was safe yeah and you know we knew we didn't know what it would look like going going further but we just knew okay well he's safe you know I, I mean thank you for sharing so openly about that I feel like I have to highlight what's what that's difficult at any time I imagine in life for for parents to experience what you had been going through but you know you add that like at, at a middle school age child it means the parents are pretty typically right in the midlife ages so for you that's like smacking you right in the major stress situation of your perimenopause transition, or at least at the beginning of it. So I can imagine that must have made an impact on you, on your health, on your lack of prioritizing yourself at that time. Absolutely. I'd say that my, my personal health struggle, though, I I could speak, you know, on on a whole podcast about that and, (laughs) Um, and, you know, my struggle with 
stress and and the impact that it's had on my body you know and and being able to release weight but that's you know that's for another time but <laughs> so I'm just I'm trying to tell the story and and not I'm trying to streamline it a little bit but yes absolutely but that that's I guess that there we go again where I don't even it's not my story that I tell first it's yeah it's his story and how well, that's the Venn diagram challenge of sharing our story as a parent or a partner, right? Is that you need to honor yours without sharing too much of someone else's and what's yours. So how did like, obviously I would assume belief coding was something that came in and made a difference for you. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. basically, um, you know, as, as we were preparing for our son to transition back home with us, we decided, so I'll speed it up, but we decided that, you know, where we were living really wasn't working for us. Then mm-hmm. we couldn't, we couldn't start fresh or have positive change and stay in the same place. So, so we actually moved cities. And with that, that brought me to leaving my teaching position and, um, and exploring other options. And so it was through a friend that I heard about belief coding. And it was aligned with some of the coaching work that I was already doing, like as far as transitioning from being a classroom teacher to an educational coach. Um, So I had started that opening up to that language and the different ways of asking questions and talking to people. And when someone introduced me to belief coding, I, I looked into it. And if anyone looks online, they'll find, um, you know, access to Jessica Cunningham, who's the founder of belief coding. And she is just, I mean, for me, she was very captivating and and just drew me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and though I'm not a drink the Kool-Aid kind of person, and I sat on the outside for a little while, after a few months, I was on the plane to the UK <laughs> for my in-person training. Wow. So did you, you heard about this belief coding? So maybe this is a good time to yeah. explain what is belief coding? Okay. Um, so belief coding, like I mentioned, it was created and developed by Jessica Cunningham, who's based out of the UK, is really um, one of the most revolutionary transformational healing processes that I've ever come across. It takes elements of many other healing modalities, such as um, EFT and NLP and inner child work and and reconstruction sort of thinking. And it just takes elements from each of these. And it's Jessica's developed this process that is very, it just takes a person through, sorry, through this amazing process of unlocking and unblocking trapped emotions that have led to our limiting or negative beliefs. Mm -hmm. So the way it works is that, you know, we, we rely on our subconscious a lot during the process. Think about the subconscious as um, this massive, endless filing cabinet of every experience, Mm -hmm. every moment in our life Mm -hmm. and 
often, you know, we'll get to be 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever it is and know that, you know, we're not comfortable with something, but not really know why. Mm-hmm. So with belief coding, we find out from the subconscious by trusting the subconscious um, and taking a discomfort, any discomfort that you bring to the table, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be habitual, and ask our subconscious if there's a trapped emotion mm-hmm. around this discomfort. And using um, some muscle testing, which is another technique, and we use something called the human compass. So using the human compass and gauging how our subconscious um, responds to a yes, no question, we get the answers of where, you know, is there a trapped emotion? What is the trapped emotion? When was it trapped? And then with belief coding, with a facilitator, you basically go back to that point in time and connect with your reflection. So the past version of you that has had this experience where the trauma or the negative belief became locked in. And obviously, you know, we can't change the past. What's what's happened has happened, but we can change the way we relate to it. And we can change um, the way that our body registers and remembers that situation. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take away the negative charge, the negative beliefs, and replace them with empowering, positive um, beliefs that are going to help us move forward. So so essentially, almost like reframing it and giving us kind of the power. So essentially, almost like removing the power of that stuckness that's trapped. And and, and let's, you know, be real here, like emotions from past traumas or from past experiences get really stuck in our body. And so it's not just the, you know, the self-sabotage cycle or the cycle around that, that gets really stuck, but it can act, it literally gets held in our body in different ways. So that's really powerful. Um, And so not only does it kind of clear that, but then it also helps us to, move forward without the pull of that so tightly on us making different decisions in our life does that that sound right yeah it's absolutely right I mean that negative charge gets released and it's funny because it's even something like I worked with a woman who was having chocolate cravings Mm -hmm. and she just like did not want to be so addicted to chocolate and so that was her discomfort And so sometimes the place that we go back to, the belief, the whatever it is, like there might not be a very, very clear connection between why that would be what symptom, the the need for chocolate. But it's, it was, I'm trying to remember the exact situation, but it was, you know, it was a need for fulfillment and chocolate was the answer, right? And then when we do have a belief like that, or we start a pattern, we go through life, and we're always being faced with ideas or situations that just reaffirm what we already believe. 
So if we already believe we're not good enough at something or, you know, we can't get through a day without chocolate and then every day we just enforce that. Yeah, we reinforce that. So. So it's that. So I imagine, obviously, I mean, you've explained some of the process there. Mm -hmm. You know, I I imagine it's not, you know, like all healthy things, it's not like have a session and be done. But for you, how, how did the experience of going through this process for you, how did this help you in your life? So the first few sessions that I did, the emotion that continuously came up, no matter what, I came with and I I have a lot of physical pain. So I would come to my facilitator with an elbow pain. And then, you know, was there a trapped emotion? And yes, and what was the emotion? And it was almost always failure for me. And it almost always brought me back to something around my son Mm. and my feelings of having failed him because of the journey that he's been on. Um, So a lot of my sessions, yeah, a lot of my sessions were around that, though they'd be different experiences, different memories, different, you know, from different points, even prior to me having had kids, but it was working on that personal belief of mine that I'm not good enough. That I'm yeah. not a failure. And I think that, I mean, look, we all have, obviously we all have different limiting beliefs, but that's a very real one. You know, I feel like that umbrella of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough can really encompass a lot of what we as women anyway, struggle with overall in our life and in our overarching way. Um, so these pains that you are having, have they gone away? So a lot of them have, um, and when they come back, like today, you know, today I did one, like, cause I can do it on myself really quick and easy. And I, I went to see my massage therapist and she's like, your rib cage is just completely like smushed. And so I did one today and I said, what's going on with my rib cage? And it was around, yeah, like it was around, it came up as like something that had happened at age, um, age 27. And the, the word that came up was impatience. And it was around the time like that I was dating my husband and he never did anything nearly quick enough for me as far as <laughs> like ask me to marry him, decide yeah. that we're going to have kids, you know, and I was always like, and, and so it was this, yeah, it was just an interesting, an interesting release and an interesting point to come to around impatience and, yeah. and um, wanting things to happen quicker than they are. And I think that's where I am right now in my, you know, with trying to end my 25 year career as a teacher where I never really had to think about what my job was. And, you know, 
become sort of an entrepreneur and start off on my own and and sell myself, which is completely out of my comfort zone. And I think that that impatience of why isn't this happening quicker is is something that is that is coming up for me, but making that connection to, okay, this feeling of feeling impatient and wanting things to come faster than they are, it's not a new feeling for me. Mm, It's an old one. It's an old wound that's in there is what you're saying. Yeah. That's so fascinating. And I think, again, that's another very relatable, like, I guess, limiting belief because I think in general, as humans, we grossly overestimate what should happen or what can happen in a short period of time and really underestimate what's possible over like three months, six months, 12 months, 18, you know, when you think about how time passes. So I also find this super fascinating. You know, I know for because to make it really relevant for women around perimenopause, one of the major like one of the shifts in the brain in perimenopause is is the impact of these hormones, our our main sex hormones shifting that impact our, our memory encoders and memory retrievers in our brain, which means that suddenly we become more aware of past traumas of things that aren't like we're more irritated suddenly by them. And just, I think it's probably because we're no longer like subconsciously driven to procreate. So now we have this extra space. It's like this fog has cleared and we're like, I don't recognize myself or this is really frustrating. Like, why can't I get past it? So it almost feels like a prime time for women to be exploring this piece within themselves. Would you agree? Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I turned 50 this summer and that was it. Like I started doing some work and I just just like, I just decided that this is my, it's my turn. It's my turn. And the only way for me to live the life that I'm ready to live is to let go of some of the shit, sorry, but some of the stuff that is no longer serving me. Yes. You know, that is, it's holding me back and it's, like I've struggled with my weight and I'll do sessions on a regular basis. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm at a plateau. Why, why does my body not want, want to lose weight this like right now? Why, why do I not feel like I can get up and go for my walk this morning? And, you know, every time I do it, there's, there's a reason. <laughs> and, and so it's, so I do. I think that especially for women that are starting to look inside and want more for themselves and want just to surround themselves with people and ideas and concepts and spaces that just lift them up. Mm-hmm. Um we've got to start with ourselves because yeah. we really an inside job, isn't it? Yeah. It always is. And you brought it up earlier, this the idea of self-sabotage. Now yeah. that is just a common like discomfort, right? And and it's it's too big of a it's too grand to even just attack self-sabotage mm-hmm. as a whole. Like we have to look into the specifics and where it's coming from. Mm. And often, you know, like you were saying, is it a one and done? Well, 
we could talk about one area of self-sabotage and get to the bottom of that and then realize that two weeks later, uh, okay, I'm not self-sabotaging that way anymore, but I'm doing it this this way. So now what's that? So let's peel back another layer and figure out why. And sometimes- It's really cool that you can do this on yourself. Sorry to interrupt. I think that's a, you know, because to find a modality that you can practice eventually on your own, like once you, it's got to be really powerful because sometimes just seeing someone once a week, you know, can only get you so far. So to to be able to learn how to do this for yourself has got to be really um, accelerating, maybe is the word there. It is. It Mm -hmm. is. I think, you know, and then there's sometimes where weeks will go by. Like I was saying to you at the beginning, I've been stuck for the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. but it took me a whole week before I let myself belief code on myself to figure out why I was stuck. Do you think you were avoiding it because you didn't want to know or like you weren't ready to know? I I think I just, I was, (laughs) I think I was so stuck in my old ways. Mm. And not thinking, not just, just not tapping in to what I have, not tapping into myself. Um, And I think that's been a common thing for me that, you know, we all have, we all have skills, we all know what to do. And so sometimes it's frustrating when someone else tells us, oh, well, you should be doing this. And we're all, I know I should be doing that, but. I can't, or I'm yeah. I something in my way right now. Yeah. So, yes, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. Absolutely. What do you think, you know, when people start to learn about something like leap coding, what do you think some of the fears are, or what were some of your fears? As you said, you kind of sat at the outside as you learned about this modality, as you learned about how it could help people. You didn't like jump on in and drink the Kool-Aid. What do you, what are some of those fears of people when they're considering this? I think for people who are mainstream, which I would consider myself relatively mainstream with a dabbling in in lots of other stuff. In the yeah, I've always been interested. Like if you look at my office, I'm surrounded by fairy cards and crystals and but it's it's been more of just something I love and not something that I live. Right. Um, putting it. So I think I think people can be just afraid of or not. I, I would say less afraid, but more skeptical of something that takes on you know a little bit of like an esoteric spiritual realm right Mm -hmm. um and then I but I do think a big piece of the fear is being afraid of what you're going to find out yeah yeah Um, yeah I I think sometimes when I think about times where I have felt a pull to try something like you know when you just have that gut feeling it's obviously drawn to it you keep googling it you keep checking it out there's there's we often focus on smaller issues that we're worried about to avoid the the bigger ones. And for me, I always noticed it's like maybe the smaller issues that, oh, you're worried about 
what your parents or your partner or your kids will say and how they'll judge you on this decision. But ultimately, whenever I have moved through that piece, I see the real issue is often like, I just, I don't know that I'm ready to handle what comes out underneath that. (laughs) Yeah. Because once you open Pandora's box, sometimes, you know, once you know something, you can no longer unknow it. And it's almost like that lion hunt where can't go around it, can't go over it, can't go under it, time to go through it. And as overwhelming as that can be, I hope anyone listening takes a deep breath and recognizes that's the only way is through it, right? Yeah. And the one the one thing about this experience that I tell um, anyone that I'm working with or people who are considering working with me is that from my experience, you only go where you're ready to go. Mm. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah. And that and I and I'm being honest here and I, I will say, you know, at the risk of scaring many of your listeners, some people, when they ask their human compass, you know, where this emotion was trapped, I always say, was it trapped in this life? And sometimes we get a no, and then I'll say, was it trapped in a past life? Mm. And I get shivers when I just say that. I've never worked with anyone who adamantly doesn't believe in past lives and has been taken to a past life. Mm. So I just, I just think it's, there's like worrying about what might or might not come up really like it's, if you're not ready, it's not going to come up. Oh, I love that. It only gives you what you're ready for. And and because it's your subconscious, so it's probably going to protect you no matter what. It's only there to help you work through the piece that you're capable of working through at the time. And I would say, you know, like if you have a pull and you're interested towards something in your gut, like women have so much magic around that instinct. And so I don't think you're going to scare any any of the sisters off listening to this. Because I think that anyone who listens to this recognizes that they have a pull to something in their life that is not coming to fruition, which is why we feel so stuck in perimenopause, because there's more we feel like we're worthy of or more we feel like we're capable of. And we're trying to learn enough about ourselves to get closer to it. And this is a really sounds like a really cool modality. And I said earlier how like Lisa gave me the opportunity. I I dove in um, to have uh, a session and it was a really moving and powerful experience. I've always been really open-minded to these things. So that was, um, I'm sure that helps in some ways, but I think, like you said, you're only capable of what, you're only going to be given what you're capable of handling at the time. And I know for me, just to share some of my experience, like I have struggled my whole life as a people pleaser. And and when you, when I dig deeper under that, and I've done a lot of other work, you know, before even connecting with you on this, but that holds me back because it comes, becomes this worth story. Like if I'm not doing these things for other people, what am I worth? What is my worth? And then it also becomes this, for me, a self-sabotage story around, ooh, it feels emotional even just sharing this, around if, you know, like I can't do these things for myself because I have other people I need to do things for. So it almost becomes that excuse. So on 
getting a bit of un- unraveling that belief for me has been really, really powerful. And I definitely came up this tie around being worthy of someone else's time, being worthy just as I am. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful for that opportunity with you. I think it's, you know, was very eye-opening. Um, and, and it gave me a lot of opportunity to start recognizing the stories I tell myself all the time. So that was a really powerful part of my experience as I start to work through this stuff with you is, is even just seeing, yeah, because a lot our perspective plays such a role. And when we like have a lens on of that the story that we're telling. So for me, the lens is like, well, I'm only worthy if I do all these things or if people like me, then then trying to do something that is going to disrupt the cart of other people is really hard against my belief system. So working through that has been hugely impactful for me. So I'm super grateful. You did that. Well, you helped me do that, but that was you. (laughs) So thank you. Again, I, I'm the facilitator and, um, the one thing about like, even though I said that there's a process and we follow the process, really the facilitator, um, kind of goes and follows the lead usually of the reflection, right? Whoever's come up and we, we really like, I don't know beforehand what's going to come up and and how I'm going to guide. So I have to be somewhat open and willing to just follow your lead. Mm. And the other thing that I wanted to just mention quickly is that for people who do have any fear or, um, you know, there's some resistance there. The one thing that's really different about this modality is that if you have experienced an extreme trauma that is very personal and very, you know, uncomfortable to talk about, that does not stop us from doing the work. You do not need. So my clients do not need to tell me what, where they've gone back to or what they're experiencing in order for me to help them help their reflection work through it. Oh, that's really good to know. I've heard that can be a very traumatizing thing to a re-traumatizing situation. So Lisa, this is fascinating. I, you know, again, as being someone who got to experience it, it's such a powerful and gentle, I would say, way to learn more about yourself, to connect and release blocks. So for anyone who is listening, if you have been stuck or you're feeling really stuck and and you know that it has something to do with you know either a belief or or maybe something that you're just not seeing in yourself i think this can be such a powerful opportunity so for those listening how do we how do they learn more about you about belief coding what does that look like oh well like i said with me this is it's a brand new venture so thank you bria for giving me this space to share about it and the opportunity to practice with you um i'm relatively new to instagram but that's my goal to get you know done a lot of belief coding sessions around social media and getting the getting myself out there so there's a little bit on my instagram which is lisa new beginnings 50 
Um, Jessica Cunningham and Belief Coding has a public Facebook page with, I think, over 60,000 followers right now. On there, you'll find videos and testimonials and and just amazing things that um, you can watch. I'm offering any of your listeners a free 15-minute sort of discovery session. So Um, that link is also on my Instagram. So if anybody wanted to just sign up for 15 minutes, we could talk. I could give you more details about the process. You could talk to me just briefly about what type of discomfort that you wanted to bring to the table. And I could help you understand a little bit more about what it would look like, but every session is completely different. So I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what is going to come out. Um, I can promise that I will hold you in a very safe space and that you will get you will get something out of it and it might not be revealed within the next 24 hours, but it will reveal itself and the changes will, will reveal themselves. And I will second that it will be a very safe and wonderful space. I started this call saying what a, you know, calm vibe and voice you have. So I'm sure everyone has captured that now, but I'll put all of the links to learn more from Lisa um, in the show notes here. So just swipe up, go follow her on Instagram, check out and learning more, especially if you had that little gut feeling, right? We all have that thing, that little pull, and we've gotten really good at ignoring the pull, but perimenopause kind of gives us that gift of like a bigger pull. I think we can no longer deny. So if you felt a pull, if this felt like something that you want to learn more about, make sure you go check it out. Um, Share this episode with someone else who might need it, might appreciate it. And Lisa, I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you for how vulnerably and open you shared. Uh, I am just, I'm always at peace in your presence. Well, thank you. I'm so glad we could connect this way and that we could um, have this conversation and share it with your listeners. Yeah, me too. We will do it again. All right, sisters, you've heard it all. Go out, follow Lisa, be more in your life and not just less on a scale. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.